Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. Through all of 2022, I tracked every movie and TV show I watched to bring you Tilly's 2022 Trans Rep in Media. We're going to talk about where trans people appeared or were discussed and under what context and see if we can find some conclusions. Some conclusions. Some. I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the most redolent of flowers, Susan Bridges. Hello! You're redolent. Today. I'm redolent. Just today. Wow. Our guest this week is Lila Sturges, the Inkpot award-winning author of numerous comics such as Lumberjanes, The Magicians, Dune, and Girlhaven. She lives in Austin, Texas with her wife and a cat named Greg. That is a great name for that a is cat. a good cat. Welcome, Lila. Thanks so much for having me. As for how I smell today, I'm going to say just neutral. I oh, wouldn't okay. say okay. redolent. Not soapy. today. I like soapy. Soapy. <laughs> well, I just did a Tai Chi class, so I might be a little sweaty. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But you get that good thing, right? Like after a uh, transition, girls just smell better. I smell, smell so much amazing. better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. See, you're always redolent. It's okay. Thank you. Okay, so we got um, <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone needs to know listening how we how we all smell. I mean, you smell good. I mean, yeah, it's a definite improvement. Really? Yeah. Oh, you never told me that before. I never did. Revelations here really? on this episode. Okay. All right. So to help people get to know everyone, we like to ask a few little questions at the beginning. So, Lila, for you, what has been the best thing about transitioning? What has been the best thing about transitioning? Um because nothing like really fascinating comes to mind, I'm going to go with my default answer, which is just the ability to be myself without restraint, to yeah. be free to be who I am, to say what I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, just basically be myself and not have to pass everything I do and say through a bunch of filters Yes, in order to feel yes. like, you know, am I doing this right? Am I being the person people expect me to be? It's a lot of effort to go through. It just feels like putting down an enormous weight to not have to do that anymore. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It's it's like this, um, I don't know, I think I've said it a couple of times, but it's kind of like the world is brand new afterwards because you've never gotten to experience it this way before without all of those filters, right? And so everything is just at first very overwhelming and uh, it's so exciting and it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot. And, you know, I, I'm actually glad that I coughed up that stock answer because I don't, I take that for granted now. It's been kind of a while since I transitioned and I, you know, yeah. I don't always think about, oh, I'm free, you know, like, <laughs> no, it's just kind of like, oh, this is my life. But it's nice to be reminded. Yeah. Okay. So on the other side of that coin, is there something that uh, part of your transition that was really difficult? Like one of the things for me that's still really difficult is trying to figure out what my own damn style is. Because everything I thought I was going to like at the beginning, I don't really like anymore or like the way I look in. And so it, I, like, I did not anticipate this and it's all weird. So I did not know that that was going to be a hard thing to figure out. Oh, I mean, the, nothing. I mean, my transition has just been flawless, you know, breezy, I would say. Just no <laughs> issues, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, I guess I would say a challenging part for me is that my, my transition feels like it's never going to end. Like there's some more things that I feel like I need to do to feel like really me. Yeah. And some of them are expensive and, and time consuming yes. and, and painful, you know? Right. And I don't have tons of time and money, but yeah, I would like to get to these things eventually. 
Yeah, no, I have I have a few things like that myself. And it, you know, it's also hard because you don't know for sure when that point's gonna come. You don't know, oh, if when X happens, I'll feel like it's all done and I'm totally myself. You just don't know when you're gonna hit that point. And that can be kind of hard to deal with sometimes. Yeah, and it's hard to find a surgeon who will do like elf ears, like big pointy elf ears. And that's something that, <laughs> you know, I just, I'll, you know, but that's just me. So you have to frame it as Spock ears. If you tell them they're Vulcan, they go for it. That's, yeah. it's, it's a fantasy that bias might help. they have. Might help. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'll run that by my insurance and see what they say. Yeah, that should work out. <laughs> What's been the most surprising thing for you about transitioning? Oh my gosh. I think the most surprising thing is how much better of a writer I am now than I was before I transitioned and how much more my work connects with people than before that just having that ability to be myself and talk about the things that are of genuine concern to me yeah has just opened up it's like you know my my throttle goes at a whole new level and like i have a whole new gear that i can shift into and um you know people respond to my work in ways they never did before and it's really nice it's really rewarding to feel yeah, actually, that's something I hadn't thought about, but I think that might also hold true for me because like all of the biggest gains that have come in our writing career have happened after I transitioned. And there's probably something to that, to me not being so bogged down on my portion of things that I could open. I don't know what you're giving me a look. What's this look? <laughs> I mean, you've always pushed it to 11. Yeah, that's what I do. You're pushing it to 14 now. Ooh, I'm not really sure. 14, wow. that's a good that's one. A like everything we write is so insane. We like, do. We I'm tend not to go sure bonkers. we can go back to so. writing things that aren't completely insane. Yeah. Like, we, we're just like, this is how it is. We're a little bananas. <laughs> okay, so if there was one piece of advice that you could give for people just starting their transition or something you wish you knew going in, what would that be? Wow. Be patient. Yeah, time to figure out your own path. Yeah. Well, like, like I was just saying, even with with my clothes, I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to get all the stuff I want right away. And that's I'm just going to dress this way forever. No, it's taking me time to figure out what really feels like me. And well, I think it's natural to go like super girly right away. I don't know like, that I did that though. You kind of did. You think I did. bows? I still wear bows. I don't <laughs> have one today, but but like some of the stuff that was like not quite so girly, now you feel like you can wear it where you That's felt like true. you couldn't before. It took me a long time to even be able to wear like a, a unisex hoodie. Yeah, yeah, anything that was the stuff I used to hide in, you know, yeah. that wasn't even necessarily male coded. Uh, it was really hard to get back into because it gave me bad feelings and it took a long time sure. for that to go away. So yeah. sure, sure. I think the, the other like really practical advice that I would give is that like no one expects you to be and well, people might expect it, but you don't have to be an expert on transness. Yeah. Like, especially right after you come out or right after you transition, like you have your own stuff to worry about. If you need to talk about it, talk about your own experiences and don't yeah. generalize about transness because you don't know and you know i've been doing this for a while and i still i don't know how all trans people think and feel exactly so i'm not qualified to speak for all of them but at least nowadays i feel qualified to talk about transness as a concept right sure and if i'd have tried to do that right after i came out when people were interviewing me like you know comic book writer comes out as trans that was like a thing you know yeah and they were asking me all these questions and i'm like i don't i don't know I don't know what, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely takes time and that's okay. And and I think it's important even at any stage of your transition to realize that none of us can speak for all of us because we're all varied in different people, just like cis people are, right? We're, we Although, all have our own. I mean, come on, comics thinks anyone other than a cis white man is a curiosity. Okay. Like, there's still <laughs> women in there. comics panel. Like, there. my God, Yeah, a woman? Yeah. I just, okay. okay. I'm not going to get into all that. No. That's a whole can of worms. Pandora's okay. box. I'm fine. Okay. Pandora's fine. box of worms. All right. After this, if people were not already following you, though they should have been, where can they find you online to get a whole lot more of Lila? The ideal destination is still Twitter. I mean, for the time being, Lila Sturgis on Twitter. 
Mm -hmm. Awesome. You should go follow her because she's great. I am fantastic on Twitter. Really great in little bites. Um, (laughs) That's because, you know, I've got ADHD and I've learned to work it in my favor. Okay, so before we dig into the topic of the week, just a couple of small caveats to the folks listening out there. Uh, This is not going to cover all movies and TV shows that were released in 2022. I am but one woman and cannot possibly watch everything that comes out. But you Um, sure watched a lot. We did. I was so surprised at the end when we looked at uh, the totals. But I was impressed. um, (laughs) Further, uh, so much new stuff is released so frequently that we don't always hear about it right away or aren't always able to get to it quickly. So this includes things that I saw last year, even if they might have been released a year or two ago. I'm going to include the titles of everything we watched and how many trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming people appeared in them. And I'm going to include titles even when no trans people appeared because you need to see just how prevalent that is. Also a warning to people listening, there will be discussion of some transphobic jokes and stories that appeared in shows. And I know that not everyone is in a place where they can hear about that. And if that would make you uncomfortable, please skip the rest of this episode. I don't, we don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but it is an important thing to talk about. Um, Yeah. But you know, can I say though, that like the level of these jokes is nothing compared to what you found in the average 90s sitcom any given day of the week. Absolutely. Like these are so tame in terms of what, what you might be used to in terms yeah. of transphobic garbage. Yeah. So I'm going to say that, you know, unless you have a very, very weak constitution at the moment, it's probably, you're probably going to be fine. Also, I tried my best to catch all of the trans people, but I may have missed some because not every trans person knows every other trans person. And because sometimes it's not mentioned in the show that a character is trans at all. You don't and know a trans person? Well, I not yet. I, you're See, trying though. You're getting it. <laughs> this podcast is how I'm going to have every trans person on uh, eventually. I know. I want to mention this really funny thing because yes. you are friends with so many trans women yes. that every time I go on Facebook, Facebook is like, do you know this trans woman? Do you know this trans woman? Do you know this trans woman? And it's like over and over. Well, you should know us all. We're amazing. Okay. <laughs> But right, so sometimes a character isn't mentioned that they're trans. And that's something that I'm very torn on because you shouldn't have to mention a character as trans if you're not telling an explicitly trans story because we're so much more than just our transness. But that only works when you live in an ideal society where trans people show up in media all the time. And that is sadly very much not the world we live in. And so if you don't mention a character as trans in a visible or clear way, people will miss it, even other trans people like me. And the problem with that is when our representation is still so few and far between, when it does happen and is good representation and not bad, trans people watching need to know, but so do the cis people, right? That's how people who aren't familiar with trans people get normalized to us. And also you get in that situation where it's like one trans person in a show has to stand for all trans people and that just doesn't work. No, that's, that's bad news. But if you want a refresher on the perils of bad representation and the harm it can do, or a refresher on the importance of good representation and the joy it can bring, I have done past threads on both of those that you can find at TillysTransTuesdays.com. Also, please note that whether or not a trans person appeared in something is not intended as an arbiter of quality. I really liked and even loved a lot of things that had zero trans people in them. But it is also a little difficult to love something and then wonder why there was no place in it for you. So let's just dive in and we'll start with movies that we watched first. There's less of these because we still can't get to theaters. So this was what we could catch on streaming. Okay, so The Batman, it had zero. Then there's Bros, which had three because it was one of the queerest things ever made. Um, (laughs) And so there are three trans people played by Miss Lawrence, T.S. Madison, and Eve Lindley. It was really great representation. It was discussed in dialogue. They had varied personalities and I thought it was really well done. It was a fun movie. We liked it a lot. It was. Okay, now here's a whole bunch of zeros. Um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, zero. Encanto, zero. Enola Holmes, zero. Eternals, zero. Although Eternals has Sprite, which reads as very trans to me, mm. but not it's not an actual trans character. You're um, telling me that there are that many queer-coded people all hanging out together and there's not a single trans person? <laughs> right? Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, no. Okay, Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which, you know, is a story that crosses a multiverse full of tons of things, and there's not a single trans person that shows up anywhere that I'm aware of. 
Finding Ohana had zero, Free Guy had zero, Glass Onion, Light Year, No Time to Die, Pray, The Princess, Red Notice, Shadow in the Cloud, Sorry to Bother You, Spirited, zeros for all of those all the way through. Then we get to Thor, Love and Thunder, which had zero, but there is a somewhat stealth transphobic joke in here where the character of Astrid, who is a young boy, says he wants to be called Axel, and Thor says he's going to call him what his father named him. And I don't think that was intended in any way as a dig at trans people, but it definitely reads a little as we only accept what your parents named you. And that reads to me as a little bit transphobic. And it's a really small thing and not worth getting upset about, but I think it's indicative of the larger culture where a lot of this is implicit and people don't even realize. Okay, so then there's Turning Red, which had zero. And then we get to Wendelin Wild, which had one. And this one, I, uh, it's very complex for me. So there's a trans boy played by Sam Zelaya. And on the one hand, trans boys and men, to me, at least as far as I've seen, get way less representation than trans women and non-binary folks. And the character of Raul that he plays is developed and well-rounded and he's great. I love him. And you find out he's trans in the story, but you only find out by him getting dead named on screen and misgendered when someone's talking to his mom on the phone. And those are things that definitely really happen to us. But this wasn't a story about Raul being trans. It wasn't even Raul's story. He's just a supporting character. And so to reveal his transness in that way seems like it's making his existence revolve around the trauma he experiences at the hand of cis people. And that doesn't sit quite right with me. Can I jump in there for a second? Yes, please do. I want to underscore what you just said, because I think a lot about when I'm including trans characters in Mm -hmm. media, right? What is the place of the real lived experiences of trans people, a in specific, the trauma that we experience within yeah. narrative, right? And I wrote a sort of a noir detective supernatural story that had, a, that comes out next year, this year, comes out this year. It's called The Science of Ghosts and it has a trans woman protagonist. And because it's sort of a, has sort of a realism vibe to it, At first, I included some little things like her being misgendered or Mm -hmm. dead named. But whenever I revisited the story, those things leapt out at me as like, wait a minute, this story is not about her trans trauma. This story is about the fact that she is a forensic parapsychologist who studies ghost behavior. And so I didn't want to go down this cul-de-sac of the trans unpleasantness and that just felt right to me and i don't i don't know that i have a really strong you know like hermeneutic for why i chose to do that but when you were talking about rao's story it really kind of clicked into place for me it's like well what is the purpose of this story right? right and if the purpose of this story is to discuss like bad things that happen to trans people okay right let's dig in Yeah, then it would be disingenuous not to. Right. But if that's not the purpose of the story, then I I don't, it's just not, it's not part of it. It's not, um, that's like, it's dropping a bomb into the narrative, whether you realize it or not. Right. You know, maybe keep your powder dry. Yeah. And it felt like they were using that as a way to show that he was trans without ever saying he's just a trans boy, which is a really easy thing to say, right? And have other trans boys here and be like, hey, yes, that's me. And then there's also the issue that Raul seemingly came out and transitioned while attending an all-girls school. And nobody once mentions that since he's a boy, he does not belong at an all-girls school because he's not a girl. And because of that, that omission made it feel like it never occurred to the filmmakers that a trans boy wouldn't want to be at an all-girls school. And the fact that his classmates and teachers don't talk about that sort of tacitly implies that they think he belongs there or that they feel he isn't really a boy. And so he's, he's a really great character. And I hope a lot of trans boys felt seen by him, but I just think he could have been handled with a little more nuance to avoid those sorts of implications because you don't, you don't want young trans boys thinking that all cis adults think they belong with the girls. And so these are the kind of things you need to, I, mean, I don't know if the, if the movie had a trans consultant, but that's the sort of thing that you would want someone for that maybe could have pointed these out and you know helped head those off at the pass. And then the last movie on the list was The Woman King, which also had zero. And that's it for the newish movies that we saw. And the totals aren't great. And if you removed Bros, which is an incredibly queer movie, the numbers would be really abysmal. 
And there's a larger point to be made about stuff that's intended for queer people, but we'll get there in a bit after talking about television, which we're going to move on to now. So I'm only including things that we saw wait, the entire wait, 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 season. Wait. Oh, how do, you yes. have a, how do you have a movie called The Woman King and it's not trans? <laughs> that's that's a good point. Yeah, I you know, I did wonder why they didn't just call her a queen. That's never really addressed in the movie. It, uh, it's, it's a like historical a, thing. I know, but it's like your co-king with the male king. I don't know. <laughs> it was strange. Okay. So for television, I'm only including things we saw entire seasons of. Shows that we're watching that we're not finished with or aren't only partway through their seasons are not included because until the season's over, I obviously have no way to know how many trans people may have appeared. Okay. So we're going to dive in here. Uh, no, wait. I have a thought about yes. some of this. Tell me. As I'm looking at your list, which you okay. provided me, yes, some of these I, I wouldn't want them to have. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some of these, sure. like, given the creators involved, not that they're terrible people, but like maybe they don't know nothing about trans people, and maybe they shouldn't. So I think that you know, until we live in a world where trans representation is something that that we can you know, that we have sensitivity readers, that there's trans people behind the camera, you know, I don't know that I necessarily want trans people jammed into every story. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, it's not necessarily that we need to be even, but it's, this was, is just sort of, uh, sort of an overview of as a trans person watching, here's how often I saw myself represented in what we watched. We got a bunch of zeros to start off with Abbott Elementary season one, Andor season one, Arcane season one, Barry season three, and the Book of Boba Fett season one. There were no trans people or jokes or anything in there as far as those shows are concerned. We do not exist. Okay, so then we get to Cobra Kai season four. There's no trans people, but trans people were mentioned in two jokes. They were not at our expense. There was nothing transphobic there, but they were only used to show how out of touch the character of Johnny Lawrence is to make a point about him. Cobra Kai season five had nothing. Dragon Age Absolution had zero. And then we get to The Expanse season six, which it was hard for me to believe still happened in 2022. <laughs> it feels like 10 years did ago. It? Yes, it did. I believe you. Yeah. Right, keep going. Okay. So the character of, of Sandrani is non-binary, but it's not mentioned in dialogue other than them pronouns used by others when they're not around. But I only caught this because we did an entire Expanse series rewatch just last month. And that's when I noticed it on our second time through. The first time through, I had no idea the character was non-binary because it was never said out loud. And if the audience doesn't know that a character is non-binary, I don't know if that can count as representation. And so that's part of what I was talking about before, why you have to find ways to make it clear, I think, that we're getting that representation. The Flash season eight had zero. The Flight Attendant season one had zero. Flight Attendant season two had one kind of, but there's a caveat. So the non-binary actor, Mae Martin, plays Grace, but Grace is a woman and referred to as she. So this one falls under rep for trans and non-binary actors, but not for trans non-binary characters, as Grace is seemingly presented as a cis woman. Although I do want to take a moment to note that that is fine and very good. Trans and non-binary actors can and should get roles like this. But if the character's gender isn't stated to match the actor's, then I think it's sort of half representation. Uh, it's great on, you know, behind the camera for for non-binary people, but they're not necessarily getting to see themselves in this story, if that makes sense. For All Mankind, season three had zero. Foundation season one had zero. From season one had zero. Gentleman Jack, seasons one and two had zero, but this one is very complicated as uh, gender can sometimes be. So the main character is a real woman from history named Anne Lister, who's played by Saran Jones. Saran she's Jones amazing, a, by the way. Let's she is. She's so good. One, one of the of best the performances best I've seen. Her. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good. But she is a cis woman. And Anne Lister was, well, she was a woman who loved women and she did not like men. And she did not want to be associated with men. But she also bucked the trends of what was considered acceptable womanhood and had no need for most things associated with femininity. I haven't had time to go through and read the actual Anne Lister's diaries that the show was based on. So I can't really say if she might have been trans or non-binary, even though she likely fell somewhere under the gender non-conforming umbrella. But the show portrays Anne as a cis woman, and she's played by a cis woman. 
So I don't think we can count this one as anything other than a cis woman, but maybe like a, a gender curious cis woman. And if you want more information on how trans people have always existed and why it can be difficult to spot us in the past sometimes, you can see my thread on trans people in history. Boy, and that's a sticky wicket, isn't it? I mean, it is talking about, you know, gender identity in times before we, we find this same issue when we try to talk about homosexuality or yep. bisexuality prior to like the 19th century, because the terminology is is not there. And, right. and society is so different and varied and varied in cultures across the world and time and space. And we don't want to just, you know, appropriate other people's experiences. But at exactly. the same time, you look at some people and you think, well, obvious, I mean, come on, like this person is trans. <laughs> no. Are yeah. they trans in a way that like, you know, if you dropped them in our world today, would they be like, hey, go get me a blahaj from the Ikea? Like, we don't know. It's hard to say. Susan's a little lost. That's a very trans lady meme. There's a shark from Ikea called blahaj and it's a, it's a big, it's big with trans ladies. Okay. I don't know why. It cool. just is. Do not question the blahaj. I would never. Okay. <laughs> okay. The next show on the list is I Am Groot, which has zero. And these were only five minute shorts. But in one of them, Groot takes a bath. At one point, he sprouts a lot of leaves and makes different looks with them, one of which is a dress. The dress makes him very happy. And then he gets attacked by a bird. In none of the different uh, looks that he made was he attacked, but the moment he makes a look that doesn't conform to his presumed male gender, he's punished for it. I mean, he is a tree person, and yet he's somehow gendered. It's very odd. I don't think this was consciously intended to be anti-trans sentiment, but boys and men getting made fun of or, you know, experiencing violence when they do anything remotely feminine is a huge trope in our entertainment. And that's it's, true. it's an yeah. implicit bias that's trope, sort of trope. woven into all of society. Yes. And, and, and it's worth mentioning that this, the notion of men playing femininity as comedy goes yep. back a very long time and it is does. enshrined in things like Monty Python, Kids in the Hall, and in yep. ways that it's it's uncomfortable because it rests on the assumption that women are lesser than yep. men and that a man doing things in a womanly fashion or as a woman is inherently amusing yeah and that's a really dangerous concept yep and just something that i think we need to be aware of Right. And that's why I wanted to mention stuff like this in like, it's just a five minute sh kids short. Right. And it seems so innocuous, but there's something deeper behind it. Well, it's like very much like the root of anti-transness specifically toward trans women, because it seems less suspect almost for someone to be a trans man, because it's like, well, of course you'd want to be because everyone man. wants to be a man. I mean, everyone wants to be. Yeah. That. Which is so, not to say that trans men do not experience, you know, anti-trans. No, no. But what, sentiment yeah, and right. they don't have cis male privilege either, but there's a definite skew to how could you want to be a woman? Women right. are lesser exactly. for trans women. Yeah, right. that is what underlies trans misogyny specifically. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, the next show is A League of Their Own, season one, which I love dearly. It has one trans person. Leah Robinson is non-binary and plays the non-binary Uncle Bert, who I love with all my heart. This one is such great. Such a great role. It is. Such a great um, actor. Like, it's great pretty, because right? it's very clear about who Bert is. And it also deals with what it was like to exist as a Black trans person in the 40s. But it's not all about that trauma inflicted on them by cis people. While that is present, and it would have felt disingenuous in this show if it were not given the show's tone and setting, the show also makes it a point to show Bert's trans joy. And it all around celebrates queer people and queer joy the whole show. And it's really, really great. But this one gets an extra little asterisk for the character of Max. Max is played by a cis woman and is portrayed as one, but part of the show is Max's queer awakening. And at one point she says she feels like she's in the middle, but it's not clear whether this is in reference to her sexuality or her gender or both. So Max might be non-binary, but there's not enough information with season one to conclusively say. I did a whole Trans Tuesday about A League of Their Own, and specifically how it brought about the uh, implicit queer phobia in some cisgender heterosexual folks. So you might want to read that and get a little more information on it. You know, that raises an interesting question, which is how we portray 
people's transitions from one identity to another yeah in, like good and, and appropriate ways you know like not everyone happens to have a cis male identical twin like laverne cox does right but it was like really handy right like <laughs> that was yeah at first i was like how did they do did they make her dress up like a guy that would be terrible but no that was amazing from, yeah. Um, that. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how the they, is the new black. they showed her yeah. like in the past, you know, presenting as male, which is like, whew, like lucky, lucky ducks. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, you... isn't the Supergirl actress, she has a brother. Nicole Maines? Or, yeah. Does she have a twin? I don't know. Her brother? She has a brother. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. But I, I think it's, it's a fascinating question about how we, how we do things like like that not, again i don't have answers i just like it's like asking uncomfortable questions and and leaving them there <laughs> that's for the audience to figure out and think about on their own time <laughs> legends of tomorrow season seven a show that i adore with all my heart had zero loot season one has one Michaela J. Rodriguez plays the head of a charity foundation the character is great and well-rounded and fabulous and is never once mentioned as trans. In fact, I actually didn't know she was trans until like, I have another. I, like... I have a friend who is not Susan, uh, who said he was watching the show and looked up the cast to learn more about them, and that's how he found out that she was trans. Yeah, which is this... funny because in Pose she plays a character who is like the one who doesn't pass, and I'm like, guys, come on, <laughs> this is right? Not, this is not no. Okay. Yeah. So this is why I say again that it's so important to work in somewhere that a character is trans. Because how many people who watch the show are going to research the cast? Probably not many. And if you don't know someone is trans without researching them, that's not really representation in the show, right? Because trans people watching might not realize they're actually getting to see themselves in this story. And the cis people watching aren't getting that representation either. They're not getting to see us just be normal people in society, like someone who runs a charity. And that's so, so important for normalizing our existence to so many people who don't yet know any out trans people. And it can also make you wonder if the character is trans or not. I mean, maybe she's playing a cis woman. And that's what uh, I think a lot of cis people are going to assume if you don't give them a reason not to, because many people, cis people still see cis as the default. So this was a great trans role and trans representation. If the character were only mentioned as being trans somewhere, it'd be perfect. So I hope they rectify that in season two. Losis Spookies had two in season two. There are two non-binary supporting cast members, Sebastian Ayala and Spike Einbinder. That show is so weird. <laughs> it's bonkers and I love it. The former plays Oliver Twix, who I adore, but I'm not sure if any gender pronouns are ever used to refer to them. And the latter plays Water Spirit, who is a water spirit who's mostly non-vocal and only begins to learn to talk toward the end of the second season. I don't believe either are mentioned as being non-binary, but they're also not mentioned as being cis. So it's a little murky, again, because without giving voice to it or putting it on screen visually, we can't know for sure. But it is non-binary actors getting seemingly non-binary roles, and that's really great. Love, Death, and Robots, season three had zero. Midnight Mass, Moon Knight season one, Miss Marvel season one, and Murderville season one all had zero. Okay, but can I just say that Midnight Mass was really, really good and that it's everyone so good. should watch it. And it I love that show. Some of the best television writing I've ever yes, seen. Yes, it did very complicated things to my heart, uh, that show. It's so good. It's so good. Even if you're not that big of a fan of horror, I don't think there's like even any jump scares in it. Definitely just check it out. It's so, it has so many important, meaningful things to say about what it means to be a human. And yeah. I love it. I mean, and it's, I'm almost kind of glad there were no trans people on that island because think about it. Bad, <laughs> bad stuff happened. Okay. It's a horror. <laughs> we're not spoiling much. Okay. It's a horror show. Okay. So Never Have I Ever, season two. Uh, Alexandra Billings appears in a small recurring role as a guidance counselor, but she is never mentioned as being trans in dialogue or on screen. Again, totally. But she's totally awesome. It's she a is. great role. It is great to, to show us in jobs like that, but you need to work in that she's trans. I don't know uh, that I agree. I, I, I like she could just be a guidance yeah. counselor who is cis. She can be, yeah. I, mean, I, I heard what you said before about like people are going to default to cis and yeah. And why you know it would be nice if you know she were trans, but also at the same time I want to give full leeway for trans women to play cis women parts. 
Yes, absolutely. They we can and should. We can. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Never have I ever. Season three has one trans person, uh, Terry, who appears in a small recurring role as a non-binary teen. They're not mentioned as non-binary in dialogue, I don't think, but them pronouns are used. But also in season three, there's sort of a stealth misgendering joke. Davy, a cis teen girl played by a cis actress, uh, answers the door in a blue hoodie with the hood up and the delivery man says, sorry, little boy, I have the wrong house. Ha ha, it's so funny. Uh, it seems very innocuous, but when you think about why that's supposed to be funny, it's because this cis man thought a cis girl was a cis boy because she had on a gender neutral hoodie in a, what society says is a boy's color. She's literally just getting misgendered, which happens to trans people a lot and is very painful. And here it's supposed to be funny. And again, I don't think this was a dig at trans people, but it is another case of the implicit biases of society saying anyone who doesn't conform to rigid gender roles is other and therefore bizarre and worthy of ridicule. And for people who actually get misgendered, it's not a fun moment. It made me a little uncomfortable. And, you know, I didn't feel lesser because of it, but I was just like, eh, that was a little off. Obi-Wan Kenobi season one had zero. Only Murders in the Building season two, another show that I love dearly, has one joke from a teen about how an old man will inevitably mess up when I change my pronouns, which makes it seem like it's kind of something every teen does on a whim. I felt a little bit like it undermined how important it actually is when a trans person comes out and needs to change those pronouns. This felt yeah. to me very dismissive. Um, yeah. The kind of thing that like, an older cis man would write, you yeah. know, put in a teenager's, you know, it's like, come on, you know? Yeah. It's very kids these days exactly. and their pronouns. Very kids these yeah. days. And and it's very dismissive of trans identity. So I, I got to give a big thumbs down to that one. Yeah. Our Flag Means Death, season one, which is a very queer show that I also love dearly. As, uh, <laughs> Vico Ortiz plays the non-binary Jim, and I felt it was very perfectly well done. Love Jim. Jim is amazing, yes. Everything about that show is the best thing about that show. <laughs> that, that moment where they touch their feet at my heart. Oh. My heart. Okay. And that was it improvised. That was not in the script. Really? Oh, so love good. it. Okay. Paper Girls season one had zero. This one had no actual trans representation, but in a very weird confluence of events, ended up giving me something from my past that I never got to have. I did a whole Trans Tuesday on what I call the new past and having to find our own representation and what Paper Girls meant to me as a trans woman who transitioned as an adult and didn't get to be a little girl or a teen girl. So that meant a lot to me. I saw a lot of myself in one of those characters and it was it, that was really cool. So you should check out that Trans Tuesday if you've missed it. Then we get to The Peripheral, which had one and Alexandra Billings, again, appears in my favorite trans role I saw all year, the inimitable Inspector Lobeer. She's quirky, she's weird. I love her. She's so much fun to watch on screen. She chews up every moment she's in, but she's never mentioned as trans. It's another one of those issues. So how many people watching have no idea, even though Alexandra Billings is really famous. And like the role is so good. I want people to know, hey, that's a trans person. That mm -hmm. is a trans woman playing this amazing role. She's I, a bad, bad person. She's only kind of bad. She's very complicated. No, she's okay. trans. Yeah, I didn't even know she was trans. Oh, well, see, there you are. <laughs> Queer as Folk had three. One trans woman main character played by Jesse James Keitel and two non-binary main characters played by non-binary actors Finn Argus and CG. The show gets the representation absolutely right and has the added bonus of episode six kicking me right in the guts. It was the most accurate trans woman experience on screen that I've yet found. And even now just thinking about it gives me very complicated feelings. I've never ever felt more seen by a show. I felt a little bit exposed. It hit close to home in a lot of ways. But I wanna give a brief note of caution about the show is that it is very heavy and it deals with a queer community coming together and healing after a shooting at a queer nightclub. It took a long time for us to get through. And not because- we didn't, we were like, do we really wanna watch that? Not because it was a bad show, but it was just so hard to see people like you going through those things. You never see the violence on screen, but the impact and ramifications of it are felt through the entire season. So please be prepared going in. It can be very funny, very biting, very heartwarming, but sometimes it is completely devastating. And that episode six was written yes. by a trans woman. Yes. Jacqueline Moore, who I believe is also a showrunner. Raised by Wolves, season one, had zero. 
Okay, but also, can we talk about how the character of mother is kind of gendery? Yeah. That's, you know what? That's a fair point I hadn't thought of. You know, she's just like, she's not out there like embodying femininity in any like. That's uh, true. You know, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Conventional way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I just, so every time I, when I watch that show and I love that show and I'm, I guess it's not coming back. Um, oh, yeah, I think season two is the last one. We yeah. haven't seen season two yet though. It ends on the most bonkers cliffhanger, which is a shame. So we're never that whole show was kind of, every time I'm watching, I'm like, what, what is happening? What are we watching <laughs> on screen right now? It's a wonderful show. If you like a show that every episode, like you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. That kind of show. Yeah. Reservation Dogs, season one and two. I have something to say about both. It is a fabulous show. It might be one of the best shows on TV right now. In season one, the character of Cheese introduces himself with his pronouns multiple times. He's such uh, a sweet boy. He is, but he's, he's a cis boy that always says, you know, I'm Cheese and I my pronouns are he, him. But he also seems to be, quote unquote, the woke one and nobody knows how to react to him. It's not really used as a joke. It's just kind of how his character is. In season two, there's one he, she, they joke relating to pubic hair, which was very strange. A quote unquote man moon running gag in episode one about native men who got periods. It's implied these are cis men and not trans men, unless I somehow missed that. Uh, but which makes this joke, it's a joke for cis people about how funny it would be for men to menstruate, which of course many trans men actually do. So I felt that wasn't really great. Cheese also calls the creator he, she, they, because he doesn't know which pronouns to use. And Cheese still uses, introduces himself with he, him pronouns. But after one of those times, it's specifically so there can be a joke about the guy he's talking to confusing sexuality with gender. So the tally here is zero representation, but there were at least three jokes about things kind of tangentially related to transness. Then Resident Alien season one had zero. Resident Alien season two had zero. But there's an issue to talk about here. Now, I love this show. It has a very good heart and a lot of good things to say about humanity. But in one episode of season two, the alien Harry, who can sometimes change his shape, becomes a woman and is utilized very well to explain some of what women go through that men don't. But there's no mention of trans people being a thing that exists. And then a joke is made that Harry, in his human woman form, is going to have sex with a woman, quote unquote, with my penis. But he was a woman saying that. See, ha ha, it's so funny. A woman with a penis, ludicrous and hilarious. So, <laughs> yeah, that joke is actually very transphobic. If not by intent, then by omission. The omission of remembering that trans people are living human beings that exist. And for some of us, what you're laughing at is just the way we are and are often attacked and made fun of for. So that joke really just made me, especially in a show that was otherwise had such a kind heart to it. Resident Evil season one had zero. Russian Doll season two had zero, but there is one joke involving pronouns at the expense of someone who thought it was chic to not label a baby with them. Again, sort of treating pronouns as if they're some cool fad and not something important to get trans people the respect we deserve. Rutherford Falls season two, Jesse Lee is non-binary and plays a non-binary character and steals every scene they're in. An absolute highlight, wonderful representation. They play Bobby and I love Bobby. Bobby is so good. So good. Absolute bonkers. <laughs> yes. Severance season one had zero, but that bugs me a little bit because I love this show. But the entire premise is who would you be with no memory of who you were and no expectations to live up to? And to not delve into what feels like the inherent transness of that really bothers me. Uh, but it's a fabulous show. Big missed opportunity there, right? Right. You could do a ton with That's that. That's our you whole know, thing. It's, you know, maybe, maybe in the future. We'll see that. We can help. If I run into Adam Scott, I'll tell him. <laughs> <laughs> She-Hulk season one, zero. But there is one joke where Jen, looking disheveled in the ladies' room, gets told you're better than him or her or they. This one is a joke that acknowledges trans people, but not at our expense or anyone else's. So it's still, it's us in a joke when we are otherwise unrepresented in the entire MCU. Star Trek Discovery season four had two. Blue Del Barrio is non-binary and plays a non-binary character stated explicitly in dialogue. Fabulous representation. Ian Alexander is trans and plays a trans man character, but not stated explicitly in dialogue. They allude to it subtly, and his character once refers to, quote unquote, my transition. 
but he plays a trill, an alien species, and some trill have a little slug symbiont that lives inside them. And when this yes, symbiont... And, and my read of that is that mm -hmm. he, the host, is trans. Yes. Specifically, right. the host is trans, regardless of the, you know, the symbiont, because like the symbiont doesn't right. really have a gender, right? Right. So that was definitely my read of the character, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think they could have been a little more explicit about it. I never thought about the symbionts not having gender. Yeah, well, they're just a slug. But well, okay, <laughs> so uh, in this show, when a symbiont merges with the host, they become a brand new person. That's sort of a meld of the host and the symbiont. And when the host dies, the symbiont goes to a new host. So in this instance, quote unquote, my transition is a little vague given the symbionts transition from host to host throughout their lives. The representation is otherwise great across the board here. And having Ian Alexander's character be Trill is a nod to all of the finding our own representation that Star Trek fans had to do for decades with Trill main character from Deep Space Nine, Jed Zia and Esri Dax. Dax is still getting it an entire Trans Tuesday someday. She was so important to me and a whole lot of trans people. But that's another topic for another day. So many trans girls out there of a certain name. Jed Zia. Yeah. It's yeah. a real thing. And Listen, I thought about it for a hot minute. So. You know, <laughs> just there's so much that's great about that character as a yeah. trans analog that is yes. just it's, it's beyond it's like i'm sure that that the writers had no idea that's what they were doing but it makes such a beautiful analog you know when you think about the klingon warrior that that yes. moment you know that beautiful moment yes it's like yeah well done guys good yeah. job yeah, Congrats. I talked to one of the writers a little bit on Twitter and I asked them if they were aware of how important Dex was becoming to the trans community at the time. And he said, sort of peripherally, but it was never anything they intended to do. It was all just sort of, but I'm like, it fits so well. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> but Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3 had zero. Star Trek Picard Season 2 had zero. Star Trek Prodigy Season 1 has one, sort of. Zero is a sentient alien gas cloud. It's Star Trek, so you got to roll with that. Who uses they, them pronouns. Their non-binariness is discussed in dialogue, but they are played by Angus Imry, who as far as I know in my research is a cis man, which isn't ideal as they can imply non-binary people aren't really different from cis people. And also because non-binary actors don't get enough chances to play non-binary roles. He plays the part great. This isn't a knock on his performance. I love Zero and his performance dearly but it's not giving any non-binary actor representation, even though we get non-binary character representation. It's like the opposite of what happened with the flight attendant that we discussed earlier. Star Trek Strange New World season one had one, one non-binary guest star, Jesse James Keitel. Now she is actually a trans woman, but the character she was playing, Angel, is non-binary. And I got really excited because we still haven't had a trans woman in Star Trek. And I thought this was going to be my first Star Trek's my absolute favorite so near and dear to my heart. I'd like, oh, the moment is here, but the character is very clearly non-binary, but also a villain, which is really great because we can be villains too. But I'm still waiting for that elusive first trans woman character in Trek. I feel like the Federation, the, like Starfleet is the perfect place for trans women. You know, it's like- I would agree. You know, it's like, if you're, you know, you're really thinky, you, you know, you like to mess with stuff, you like technology, you know, these are qualities that many trans women have. And so That's true. not see trans women as engineers, as doctors, as biologists, yeah. as, you know, let alone command staff or, you know, security or whatever. It just feels disingenuous by the, by the 24th century, you know, we're out here and we're, and we're not in Starfleet. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't buy it's it. It's going to happen. We're going to pop up eventually it's gonna it's gonna even if we're the ones who have to make it happen okay um, <laughs> stranger things season four had zero superman and lois season two had zero tales of the jedi had zero upload season two had zero and now we have to talk about the worst part of this whole thing i think so this is the saddest one because there were two jokes at our expense one i think was intentional and the other was maybe implicit so on the show, if you're not familiar, people live in a digital world and one of them gets a new digital baby. And someone says, it's a boy, right? And the answer that they're given is it appears to be, but of course that's for them to decide. And it's not delivered earnestly. This moment is meant as a joke. And the whole quote unquote, it appears to be was incredibly wounding to me. 
as it implies what our genitalia looks like is what our gender should be, which leads you right to the very idea of trans people being a joke or wrong. And I felt that was really uncool. But it got worse because later the lead character is talking to someone about these digital babies and finds out in this digital world, men can carry the digital baby. And there's a poster with an image of a pregnant man, which horrifies him. A man having a baby? I know, unheard of, except it's not. Uh, Some cis people are scratching their heads here. So let me remind you that some trans men can get pregnant. It is a real thing that happens. And here, this joke, this entire scene is predicated on the concept that the very idea is worthy of mockery. I think this one is implicit and not intentionally aimed at trans men because this likely comes from a bunch of cis writers who have been conditioned by society to think only cis women can get pregnant and anything else is preposterous. So it's it's probably another joke of omission by forgetting or never even being consciously aware of trans people's existence. But both jokes come at our expense and were hurtful and transphobic and that really upset me because I otherwise really like the show. It is because e- even if it's transphobic by omission, it's wildly misogynistic directly, yeah. right? Like, oh, women are the one who have babies. Man, a man getting pregnant. What? That's insane. Yeah. Like, come on, stop it. It's right. It's 2023. Well, that's, a, that's like a joke you'd expect from the 50s or something. Uh, Wellington Paranormal Season 3, Zero. But there is a monster that the characters encounter named Taymaro. I think, I hope I'm getting that right. Um, the Marrow are a supernatural people from New Zealand in actual real mythology, not, not just the show. I'm not overly familiar with them or the mythology around them and the ways they, which they may or may not intersect with gender. But the one that the characters encounter is played by a cis man with a deep voice who says she is actually a woman and men of her species are so hairy and their voices are so low as if neither of those applied to her, which they very much do. It's like a giant Bigfoot type creature. So this one feels wrapped up in all kinds of transphobia, again, as if the idea of a hairy person with a deep voice being a woman is something to laugh at and not just the reality for some real humans who exist. Wellington Paranormal season four had zero, uh, but there were two jokes that made me uncomfortable. One, they encounter a ghost named the Bogeyman, who is a white golfer who made bogeys and gets told he, uh, quote, should really say bogey person. The intended laugh is that this man calling himself a man shouldn't do that because it's not being inclusive. I don't know. It was very weird and felt like a dig at inclusivity. In another episode, one of the main characters, O'Leary, is playing Guess Who with Satan. It's a very bonkers show. And Satan asks, are you a man or a woman? And O'Leary answers, I find that offensive. O'Leary is very much a cis man, played by a cis man. I'm not even sure why that's supposed to be funny. Both of those jokes seem to come at the expense of trans people and the belief that our existence is funny by default and is great to make jokes about. So yeah, that's that was lazy an... writing too. Yeah. Like just reach for the, you know, I identify as a whatever, you know, like come mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Come on. Grow um, up. <laughs> yeah. Werewolf by Night had zero, although I loved it. It is my most favorite MCU thing to date. It's so good if you haven't seen it. It's only an hour long. It's just a special. Westworld season four had zero, but the entire season's story was incredibly transy. I don't think it was intended that way, but the whole thing reads as like a giant trans allegory. So I think HBO Max has pulled it off, off the service now, so you can't even see it. But if you can, watch it. It's really good. Part of the whole burn down Warner yeah, Brothers. Right? Yeah, okay. What We Do in the Shadows season four had zero. The Witcher seasons one and two both had zero. And Yellow Jackets season one had zero. Okay, but we just can we just take a second to to celebrate Guillermo, which yes, from what we do in the shadows, which is one of my favorite queer characters ever. He's so just good, delightful, and he's a delight. The actor is a delightful human being. He is, and I just I adore that show and I adore that character. Yes, such it, a good show. It is. It's so. It's you know what. It has this weird sweetness to it that you almost don't notice because it's stealth underneath all of the laughing and all of the quote unquote horror trappings of it. I don't know. It's and it's it routinely makes me laugh more than like any other show. It's so good. So when you look at all of that total, what we have across 22 movies and 62 seasons of television, how did we fit that into a year? I don't know. I found 22 trans people, two of which showed up twice in different shows and 15 jokes about trans people. And a lot of the trans people who did show up came from shows and movies specifically made for queer people, which is the thing that I mentioned before. And this is where we're gonna talk about it. That's fine and great. 
but we need to appear in all media, not stuff made explicitly just for us. If you take out just bros and queer as folk, which I suspect a lot of cishet folks didn't watch, we're down to 16 trans people and 15 jokes about trans people. And not all of those 16 trans people play characters you know are trans, and you might not even know the actor is. And I think that's pretty dreadful. Uh, we should get to see ourselves as humans more than we see our people making jokes about how our existence or anything relating to us is just hilarious to cis people. And I also realized that one of the queerest shows I listed, the ones that advertised, hey, we're for queer people, queer as folk, and Gentleman Jack were both canceled. And A League of Their Own has not yet been renewed. And that is a lot of lost queer representation. So that's it. That's my report on the things we saw last year. It's There's some really good stuff in there, but overall, I, it's kind of sad. I don't know. Did you notice anything that you watched in the past year, Lila, that I didn't mention where you saw really good or bad trans rep in anything? You know, I, I don't watch a ton of stuff that I don't know going into it, what yeah. the trans situation is, because I can get, I can get pretty, if I get sideswiped by a piece of media, it can hurt. Definitely does. I, it's weird though, because one of my comfort shows, unfortunately, is Friends, which is filled Ooh. with really yeah. problematic stuff. Tons yeah. of fat phobia, tons yeah. of gay panic, and, you know, a side, a healthy side helping of transphobia. But it, it kind of goes to show how far we've come in some ways. Like, I don't want to be Pollyanna about this, but when you look at what the state of queer and trans representation was in the 90s, we were jokes. Yep. We pretty much just jokes. And Friends was actually ahead of the curve because it had lesbians in it who weren't always the butt of the joke, right? And so, you know, fast forward to today, I think, I think things are much better. And so many of the bad things that we saw were jokes written by, I'm assuming, cis white men who are feeling a little left out by the way the culture is changing and mm. their reluctance to change with it. Yeah. It feels more like sour grapes. And so, and, and, and we are seeing some representation, finally, some representation of trans people, yeah. you know, just existing as human beings. It, yeah, it's very, very few and far between, and we need so much more. But uh, all in all, I, you know, seeing this, it's like, yeah, this, this sucks. It could be so much worse. Yeah. That's I guess true. that's my takeaway from this. Yeah. As a sort of last thing, I do want to mention that the new Quantum Leap show has a non-binary main cast member, but in just their most recent episode, before we're recording this anyway, their character says that gender is a construct relied to about our entire lives, and my mind was blown to see that in a show on Peacock, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that they have a trans woman writer on staff, and they have another episode coming up later this season that heavily features trans people and I think is about trans kids in sports. I'm, don't quote me on that, but I think that's what it is. I'm very much looking forward to that. And just last night we started Heartstopper, which has a teen trans girl in it. And I was delighted to see her at first. And then I was really worried because she goes to an all girls school and she had no friends. And I was like, oh no. And then she tries to make friends with a couple of cis girls who seem like the cool kids. And I was like, oh no, oh no. And then they just accepted her. And it was like nothing. It was like, you're just another new kid at our school and we want to be friends with you. And my heart exploded. So uh, that was really nice. Um, so those are shows we'll probably talk about more when we do this again next year, because we'll have seen the whole seasons. But I wanted to give a little honorable mention to those because they're both in progress, but already are doing good things. I'm yeah, and I think, I think it's interesting that, you know, we're seeing like in media for Gen Z that yeah. trans and queer representation is much more taken for granted because in Gen Z, transness and queerness is much more taken for granted. And as that yeah. generation gets older and starts showing up behind the camera as well, um, I think we're going to see a lot more queer and trans rap. Yeah, that is a very good point. Yeah. Were you going to? I was just going to say Yellow Jacket season two is going to have a. Right. Trans. Nicole Maines will be on that too. She yeah. just, they just, just got announced. So that's very exciting. What I would like to see, and this yeah. is, this is my bugaboo is a trans woman 
actress who is not cis appearing. Mm, yeah. Role yeah. Anywhere in media. Yeah. Instead of like the there. perfect trans quote unquote. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Yeah. Because there is, while there is some trans representation, I'm still, you know, I'm looking at the women that they pick to be on shows. And this is part of Hollywood in general is that we pick yeah. people who are these idealized creatures. But there's yeah. something more deeply insidious about the fact that the only trans women who are allowed to be shown are trans women who perform the service to cisgender culture of appearing to be cis people. Yeah, exactly Perfectly right. Yeah, we definitely need more, I guess, quote unquote, not passing trans women as well. Thank you so much for being here, Lila, and for sharing your thoughts and chiming in. It was so lovely talking with you. It was my absolute pleasure. I love uh, to be the person who just pops in and cracks wise while someone else is doing like the real work. I'm very, very good at that. So I appreciate you having me. Well, we will definitely have you back to do that again. We need that. (laughs) Please do anytime. Yes. Okay. And then just as my closing thought, I just want to remind you that trans people are human beings and our media needs to do much better at trans representation because art can change hearts and minds. And when all out war is being waged against our right to exist, we need it now more than ever. Tilly Bridges and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Jillian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash Tilly S. Bridges, and on Insta at heck yeah Tilly Bridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Do not question the blahage. I would never.